You are now listening to the Curtis King Podcast. What's going on with you? It is Curtis King of the Curtis King Podcast, and I want to say thank you for joining me and or listening in, whether you're on the traditional podcasting platforms, we want to just say thank you for tuning in with us. Or if you're watching the video here on the Curtis King podcast channel, we want to say thank you for also doing that. Wherever you are, do me a favor. If you enjoyed today's episode and maybe perhaps it's your first time listening, do me the huge favor of leaving a rating on whatever platform that you're listening. So if that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Go ahead, leave us a five star rating. If that's on YouTube, I mean, well, you know, the YouTube metrics, the likes and the comments. I'm more so concerned with the comments. I really enjoy seeing your feedback and it makes me feel even worse when I'm away from the podcast on this new channel, because I look at y'all like. Y'all are the most dedicated. <laughs> y'all are the most committed to 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 whatever it is that you you deem this right. The education, the inspiration, the entertainment, whatever it is. And so I look at y'all as friends and I genuinely mean that even if I don't know who you are, if you're going to sit here and listen to the thoughts that I have that circulate my mind, not just as a music producer, but just as a human being in general, I think it's important for us to acknowledge the the friendship that we are building if we don't already have that. So just got to say thank you. First and foremost, I want to start these podcasts off a little bit something different. I've been reading a book about super fans and about how to give your audience an experience. And so there's something that I learned from this book, and I want to start utilizing this because it really is important. It's an important factor when we're talking about making new friends and building new relationships, which is really any relationship that you have between you and your listener or, you know, someone buying beats from you or whatever it is, uh, you always are building some some sort of relationship. And one thing they say is you should share something that you would only share or something that a friend of yours would know. So one thing that I got to share with you, I am a huge, a huge Twilight Zone fan. I think I'm going to navigate here to the screen and hopefully this works right now. I'm actually testing this out for the first time on the podcast. So let's see if this works. Uh, we're going to go here to the desktop for those of you that are watching online. So, yes, there is an episode that stands out to me. I used to watch Twilight Zone when I was a little bitty baby, a little not baby, but a little bitty kid. Probably as a baby too. I just didn't know what I was watching. But as a kid, I used to watch this show and I was so intrigued by the storylines and just the spooky nature of it. It's one of them things where you can't turn away from it. <laughs> it has that spooky vibe that's like, yo, I kinda don't want to watch this by myself as a ten year old, but I kind of can't look away and I I'm very eager to see how this story ends. But amongst all the stories in, in my in, your, in my favorite episodes, I'm sure you got your own favorite episodes. There was one that spoke to me on a philosophical level, and I'll never forget. This particular quote from an episode called What You Need. Now, the description here on the page says it is an episode where a small time crook plans to exploit an old street peddler 
who has the uncanny knack of selling people exactly what they will shortly need. Now, I'm not worried about giving you any um, uh, spoilers because it's been out since 1959, <laughs> first and foremost. But what I will say is that, let me move this here off to the side. What I will say, though, is that this episode is intriguing for a few different reasons. Now, first and foremost, like they said in the description, this is an episode about uh, an older guy who basically has a suitcase and he's always providing people exactly what they need. How he knows it is some kind of Twilight Zone magic, but he knows. Well, a crook tries to come in and take advantage of that and he starts to... You know, the old man provides him with things that he needs until he gets to a place where he realizes this person wants to actually kill him for, you know, wherever his source of providing the needs of people comes from, whether it's a suitcase or whatever. The man wants to kill him and he sees this. He knows this because he knows exactly what people need. So the episode ends where he basically gives him a pair of slippery shoes and the crook is like, is this what I need? I guess it is if you're going to give it to me. And the man slips in the middle of the road and gets killed by a, a oncoming car. And the old man said, hey, this is what he needed. You know, my, he, I saw that he wanted to kill me in his eyes. But that's not the part that intrigues me the most. That's just, you know, the twisted world of Twilight Zone that I love so much. Um, that and uh, what's the other show? It's escaping me right now. I, I, I'll, I'll figure it out later. But. The quote he tells this crook towards the end of the episode, when the crook is getting a little bit too aggressive, he's getting a little bit too much. He says something I thought was really intriguing. He says, the things that you need the most, sir, I can't supply. The crook says, what are they? The old man says, serenity, peace of mind, humor, the ability to laugh at oneself those are the things you need most, but it's beyond my power to give them to you. Bar. Rod Serling, all the writers, bar. That's a 1959 bar for that ass. Um, I freaking love that quote. Serenity, peace of mind, humor, the ability to laugh at oneself. Those are the things you need most, but it's beyond my power to give them to you, sir. That resonated with me for one reason when I was younger, obviously. Let me move this camera to the side. That resonated with me when I was younger. One, because of these being things that I felt like I did not have an issue with. I felt like it was something that made me feel okay with being different. Serenity. Peace of mind, humor, humor, especially the ability to laugh at oneself. And this is something that ironically. Years and years later, probably 26 odd years later, I am now faced with as a 36 year old man who is making YouTube characters like Roscoe to Taco, like Sus Bunny, like Darnell, like. Who else? Uh, vacuum beats and all these different characters. Um, there does come a time where you start to ask yourself, like, yo, what am I doing? Like, even if I was a 36 year old comedian, like if that was my full time profession, would I be doing this at this point in my career? Uh, is it over the top? Is it too much? Is it? And what I what I 
concluded because it's, I've, I've really, this has been a real dialogue in my head over the years to where it's like, you have an ability, an uncanny ability to make people laugh. What are you going to do with that? Right? When you do it in a way that is professionally acceptable, you don't get the results that you're looking for. You're actually living out somebody else's definition of how they think you should convey your message. You're actually rebelling against the very thing that gives you an advantage as an underdog. In a lot of people's eyes, it may, you know, maybe come to us, come to a, it may be a surprise to you, but I am the underdog simply because of the amount of things that I do by myself or have been doing by myself. I have always been the guy with potential. I've always been the one that they describe when they talk about me. Oh man, he's just, he's just so freaking talented. He has so many different lanes that he can go in and he do. And although that is something to uh, be proud of, to have great potential at some point it gets old. Because then you start to ask yourself, okay, well, what's beyond the potential? And when do I start unlocking that? When do I become more than just a coming attraction? When do I become this huge blockbuster premiere that everybody keeps telling me that I am and that I believe or start to believe that I can be because of this dialogue? But do I believe it without that validation? That was another question I had to ask myself. And so over the years, I have gone through many different steps at rebranding myself, many different steps at trying to figure out what is my healthy medium between the goofy side of me, you know, the the funny side of me or the um, the inspirational side. Would they take me serious if I was doing skits all the time as a music producer? Would it matter? Right. Would the folks in the industry that I respect look down upon me because now I've turned into this producer slash comedian that's doing YouTube? And have I have I are they going to look at it like it's a fall from grace Are my peers that, you know, do have professional ties or even even the sponsors that I work with? uh, Are they going to come to a place where they say, yeah, you're just a little bit too hot for us to. To, to, to associate ourselves with, um, which reminds me, thank you to Vaclia Devola for sponsoring Empowering this podcast. <laughs> but uh, I asked these questions and I asked these questions with a whole lot of sincerity. I gave it a lot of consideration. And I just got to a place where I was like. So what then what? I've talked about this philosophy before, but I actually use it on myself pretty aggressively as I started to think about what that old man said. Let's start with serenity. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna get a definition of serenity. Let's 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 make sure we 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 don't just try to spitball serenity. Serenity is a state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. Now, these are the questions I'm asking myself before I'm starting to do these skits with all these different characters. And I know there's people who probably think I have lost my mind. And I it, and it brings me back to a quote my buddy told me one time, my best friend in the whole world. Shout out to Keaton, man. He told me one time, he said, you're not crazy, bro, because you're crazy. It's a lot of folks out here. Everybody crazy on some level. He said, you're crazy because you know you're crazy, but you still be trying to go around here acting like you're normal. That's crazy. 
And I was like, you know what? It's a lot of wisdom for somebody that's not in their 30s, 40s. He was like in our 19s, 20s, teens and 20s. And he was giving me that. And I was like, damn, I feel you. But I'm going to use the rest. I'm going to use the next 10, 10 or 15 years trying to figure out how to be normal. And it just never clicked for me. And it always takes me getting to a place where I reach a bit of a uh, of a of a of a of a. I don't want to say a low, but a place where I have to break down this person that I have become to a uh, to a smaller fraction to where I have to simplify what exactly I'm working on. And specifically. The the thing recently that has had me out of peace and not in peace is. How I've been feeling about how my business. Was going or not going. Right. I, I've been very um, verbal about how scaling my business has been uh, a crazy journey in which, uh, you know, shout out to, to, to concept uh, Brian, who, who was handling all of the ads and, and marketing for my business for uh, for some months and was really working with helping me structure my business. Uh, he's amazing at what he does, but. I started to realize that there's a lot of work that I have not done. And I feel like every time I try to access someone who has the cheat codes, marketers, my friends with larger audiences, something always comes up. Something always happens to where it's like, it's not bad, but it's also not helping to achieve this goal of expanding your audience, right? And if it does, it's very small increments that make it seem like it wasn't even, <laughs> it didn't even happen, right? Something that could have happened through many different um, avenues. And the the ads were the same. We were selling, you know, we had we had courses that were selling and we had great offers and all these things, but they just weren't quite converting the way that we anticipated. What was converting for me, ironically, in the midst of this paid marketing that I was doing was my organic marketing. And in the beginning of my career, and I'm sure in, in, in many of your careers, whatever it is that you're doing, you realize that your biggest problem or maybe you'll come to realize your biggest problem is not a lack of resources. It's always going to be a lack of resourcefulness. What you do with what you have. And I for sure was not maximizing upon the things that I already had this sense of humor. The, the, and it's not just me thinking I'm funny and walking around. It's the fact that I have content that to this day has performed so much better than my traditional Hi, this is Curtis King from CurtisKingBeats.com. I just want to talk to you really quick for one minute in this ad talking about this course that I have. And I want to give like what actually moved the needle in my career for selling. Let's say my courses were when I did the funny ads that I could see myself putting up on my YouTube as a regular old skit. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, I had a skit called F. Eliana, right? 
And it's me talking to a laptop <laughs> with my wife's wig. And that was actually her voice doing a voiceover. I had to pitch it up because she hated her voice. But it's literally me talking to a laptop and, and pretending that we are in a relationship. And the relationship has the laptop has FL Studio on the face. And then she's like, why we don't never kick it? My homegirl told me you was you was uh, you was over there with Ableton acting like a hoe. I'm putting this in an actual ad, mind you. Right. That's not ad copy that you're typically going to see. But then again, I'm not typically what you're going to see when it comes to the space of e-commerce, when it comes to the space of being an online music producer. I am not supposed to. I am. am why am I walking around here like I am a square? I'm a square shape knowing damn well I'm a circle trying to fit myself Hello, I know somebody in here can relate to this. Trying to fit myself in places I do not belong. And that's not to say that ads are not for me, but I think that my philosophy has always been see what see what works organically first. And then amplify that through the medium of ads. Instead, it got me to a place where. When one offer didn't work, we were trying to figure out, OK, well, what can I sell in general that's going to support this crazy ad budget that we have set? And then I got into a place that I felt like I haven't been in in years where I'm, I'm chasing money. Instead of doing what I what I do, what I do, I, the reason I do what I do today is because I I'm doing what I love. And it's not about chasing money, but it makes me money. That's the big that's the big part we can't ignore. It makes me money, but it's not for chasing money in particular. It's the fact that I found what it is that people need from me, the void that I can feel. And I filled it. And not just with a half ass product, but with the product that I could have been charging significantly more for. But damn it, that's what has worked. And every time I get into a space where I, I'm, I'm trying other shoes on before I fully maximize my feet in the shoes that I'm currently walking in. It's almost like God is like, yo, you're not taking shortcuts, bro. You're not going like, to let you go through this and I'm going to let you learn a lesson because I lost a lot of money, which is normal. I mean, for, you know, for, for you're going to lose money with ads. But um. I tried to scale at the wrong time and it was a lesson learned. And so as I, you know, cause I, I eventually uh, parted ways uh, uh, with, with my boy on, on the marketing uh, because I, I saw it. I saw it clearly. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about his strategies because he's had much success before. It was about me. It was about me. Getting this ship where it needs to go from an organic, with organic fuel, right? I don't know if ships run on fuel. I don't know what y'all run on. <laughs> but I had to get the fuel that I need to move this entire engine is organic, whatever, organic entertainment, organic comedy, um, just things that don't require a crazy budget. Like literally I have some of the biggest videos on YouTube right now for my channel 
that were shot on iPhones. iPhone 6, iPhone 7, right? And that's just to show you uh, what Gary Vee always says, that high definition or high quality is subjective in this era. And so that's one part of that quote. We're going to actually build around this quote some more, and then we're going to go to a commercial break. But first part is serenity. All right. The state of being calm, peaceful and untroubled. OK, peace of mind. Right. We kind of covered a little bit of that, but let's talk about humor, the ability to laugh at oneself. Those are the things you need most because it's beyond my power to give them to you. So. I got to a place where things got so ridiculous financially things got so ridiculous um with just life in general with Nas going in and out of the ER um from just the computer crashing again to the plugins you know having issues on launch day to my email to my domain to you know things going on with my body because I'm working out like thinking I'm going crazy, losing weight, and then I lose weight, and then I have a few bad days, and I just gain everything back. I'm just like, yo, something's got to give. What is going on? And I felt that start to swing back around when I started to channel energy that otherwise would sort of just settle within me into these characters that I've been creating for these skits. These characters are bringing me so much peace. It sounds completely psychotic, I'm sure. And after we get from this commercial break, I'm going to explain what I mean when I say that. But these characters that I'm creating give me so much peace because they're giving voice. They're giving a voice to thoughts, to observations that would otherwise float around in my brain and maybe come back whenever something reminds me of them. But now to put it into skits, to dedicate myself to creating it once a week, there are amazing things that are starting to happen. And not just on the business end, which I'm already seeing a difference, but also with my confidence, also with my 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 spon spontaneous or my spontaneity is that the word spontaneity uh my ability to be spontaneous and even my focus i'll explain it after this commercial break but definitely want to make sure that we say thank you to Voclia sponsor to Voclia doubler for sponsoring this podcast they got some amazing things coming soon they've been teasing about it on the social medias but for right now Let's take it to our commercial break. I'll see you guys in a second. The Curtis King podcast is proudly sponsored by the Voclia Doubler. What is the Doubler? Well, I think better than telling you, I should show you. You trying to tell me I can use this microphone to make beats, to make melodies, to make chord progressions. I can use my voice. I'm all in. Pretty cool, right? Check this out. The 
Voclia Doubler represents the future of making music. The Voclia Doubler is a real-time voice recognition MIDI controller. It offers up a never-before-seen way to translate your musical ideas into reality using the one instrument you've been practicing since birth, your voice. Make more of the music you love without having to worry about how to get your ideas into your DAW. Before the Doubler even sponsored this podcast, I picked it up just because I'm a geek about technology. And I personally picked up the Doubler Studio Kit, which allows you to hum a melody, a synth pattern, or even beatbox one shots right into FPC if you use FL Studio or whatever DAW that you're using. This also allows you to manipulate effects and filters in a way that only the voice can. To get the Studio Doubler Kit, all you gotta do is access getdoubler.com forward slash Curtis King. Shout out to Voclia Doubler once again for powering this podcast, the Curtis King podcast. So before we went to commercial break, I alluded to how these characters, these sus bunnies, these Darnells, these Roscoe the Tacos, the uh, who else we got in here? Um, I got some I don't want to tell you all about yet. Vacuum Beats, BooBooBeats.com. Boo boo <laughs> we, we ain't done more character development on that yet. But one thing I got to tell you about me, I'm an in-living color baby. There was a sketch comedy show that launched the career of many comedians that you may or may not know, depending on what uh, end of the demographic of my audience you fall on, right? Or you fall upon. Some of you may have seen reruns of In Living Color, right? But it it literally launched the careers of folks like um, uh, Jim Carrey, who's probably like one of the most uh, known, I guess, from from that universally known, I should say, um, David Allen Greer, Tommy Davidson, uh, of course, all the Wayans, right? And, uh, uh, Sean Wayans was SW1. He was a DJ on this sketch comedy and then eventually became an actor on there. Uh, Kim Wayans, their sister, uh, Marlon Wayans, Keenan Ivory Wayans, Damon Wayans. Like that was the show where they did so much character development. They did so much in terms of like saying things that at the time were like, oh, hell no. They, they let y'all say this on TV. They were like clowning celebrities. And I mean, just just going in like folks careers could get ruined when when they became a parody, either ruined or they went to the next level when they got parodied parodied i can't even say that word when they became a parody on in living color i grew up on that i grew up on martin martin was one of my favorite sitcoms growing up so was fresh prince of bel-air what do these shows have in common they all utilized the multifaceted experience of a singular human being what do i mean like they all show like for instance martin martin was shenane martin was uh jerome Rome. martin was uh forget the police officer's name like he was all these different characters and you almost forgot for a second if it wasn't for all the physical humor like you almost forgot for a second like yo that's martin it still is martin like i almost forgot as martin uh, same thing with a living color. You see these folks like they'll play these very wide ranging characters. And it's like, that is such a crazy talent. That's what I grew up on. So 
as you see me take on these characters and like be able to do five hour live streams as Sus Bunny, I'm really living out what I always dreamed about when I used to watch these shows. I was like, man, it looks fun to be able to play other people, to be able to like to be able to not only play other people, but to own it so well that people were like, damn, either you are a genius are very observant or you are just crazy and i'm okay with all of them i'm okay with all of those critiques you know you know i don't care what you say about it at this point i have the ability to laugh at myself i have serenity i have peace of mind and i for damn sure have humor and a and a and an ability to laugh at myself right this skit energy that I have been coming with is me being able to dump off over 20 odd years of of (laughs) meeting some of the most bizarre human beings with the most bizarre habits and the most bizarre uh, demands that I've ever heard all within this industry. There is not one character You might have some characters that remind you of some people that, you know, on the Internet. Right. But you never are going to be able to say that one character is specifically one person. It's an insult. Don't insult my comedy like that. (laughs) I'm just playing. Don't just don't don't don't. I feel like. There are certain personalities that are just they're just a general template. You don't like when you're. You know, I don't know what you use. If you use like MailChimp or you use like a a email service, they all have templates. Hey, you should send this kind of email. Hey, you should send this kind of email. They don't have tones of voice, but you get what I'm saying. It's different colors and different templates. I'm saying every human being, every personality has a general template that folks fall under. They do things every once in a while that take them out of that template or, or, or shine some new light. But for the most part, everybody has it. I have a damn template, right? But I think that the 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 fun is being able to embody everybody that I've seen that has fit that avatar, that has fit that genre of human being and to be able to tell stories in which I really, really like it's not just me making fun of a, of a vacuum beats. I want to get in the head of a vacuum beats and I want the vacuum beats beats <laughs> plural i want them to know that i know them better than they know themselves sometimes and it should be scary i want them to know that by me imitating their physiology by me imitating the speed at which they talk by me verbalizing the insecurities that they'll never say out loud i just want you to know that i see you and that i understand why you don't like a guy like me i might make you feel very uncomfortable That's what this comedy comedy is. It makes some people it makes people feel uncomfortable and not uncomfortable in a way where it's controversial. Sometimes it can be, I guess, but it's not that kind of uncomfortable. It's that uncomfortable like, yo, all right, bro. At me next time. (laughs) And then when somebody starts laughing too much on the left hand side, you say, hold on, don't let me get on your ass. And then when somebody says, hey, you never make fun of yourself, then I just make fun of myself. And then it's like, now what? Everybody can get it. Every single, you know what I'm saying? Every single group, all that. I come from that schooling of comedy. And I'm not, I don't look at myself as a comedian. I look at myself as somebody who just highlights things that people find funny. 
I know I'll be in here cracking up. I'm my own comedian. I'll tell you that right now. I'll be in here cracking myself up. Sounding like a, I know my wife, she already know I'm crazy, but she'll walk by the door and be like, this nigga has lost it. He is in there just talking and like, no, it's a different, different voice. Oh, cap, cap. Cap, cap. No, that was too happy. Cap. Like, I know. I know. I Boy, that's a different brand of crazy. You don't know nothing about that. You don't want none of this, uh, Dewey Cox. You don't want none of this right here. <laughs> if you ever seen that movie, you don't know the reference. But um, being these characters and embracing them is also not only been therapeutic and cathartic for me as a human being. Let me let me expand upon that, and then we're gonna talk about musically, and then we're gonna end with a, a Sus Bunny exclusive. Uh, how do we get here, Curtis? How do we even get here? We're here. That's all that matters. We're here. We're here. Uh, <laughs> it is therapeutic for me as a human being to be able to say the things that are on my mind, to say them in a way where if I say them as Curtis King, people will look at that and say, oh, you're trying too hard to be like something or, oh, bro, you would never say anything like that. Oh, bro, who are you trying to be? Instead of me having to defend that or prove myself or or I want you to see I do not take myself that seriously. I want you to see that I am having so much fun exposing the light upon myself, upon those around me, upon the bizarro world that is the music producer community. I have no problem highlighting all of that shit because this shit is funny to me. Some like the best comedic moments are just reality. Don't got to create them. They're just reality. I have yet to sit down here and have to create a funny moment. Everything that I have, all the ideas that I have in my phone are just things that I think are utterly stupid, hilarious, contradictory, and just ridiculous. Just stupid. Just, just <laughs> whatever. Like, I write them down. I'm like, that is a funny. Like, in, in, in any other circle, that is a funny ass human being or funny ass situation. To producers, they're like, it's not funny, bro. I don't sample, bro. And it's so funny to watch them jump in these in these comments on these skits and talk about how much, you know, they 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 hate sampling and how much they. And it's like you the joke you you are you you don't even realize you're part of the joke. You don't even realize you're part of the joke. Ha ha. You 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 didn't you're lost upon that. And then the people who hate sampling say, see, but Roscoe's second beat was super fire. What you don't know is that is a sample, stupid. <laughs> it's a sample. It's a sample. That's the funniest part of it is the funniest part. Of it. You'll never get to hear about it unless you listen to the podcast. People are like I hate sampling, but I'm, I'm, I'm part of hip hop. I hate sampling. But that second beat that Roscoe played. Yeah, that was fire. Was it original? Yeah, that was original. No, that was a sample. It's just I, I just I live for those moments that are like silent chuckles to myself. Like, <laughs> You don't even know. You don't even know it. So it's been very, very uh, therapeutic for me as a human being because it allows me to have my moments where and I think all of us have moments where we get into environments and we don't feel like. We don't feel like our confidence is at 100 percent, right, or is that at the highest level? We all have our times where, you know, we may feel insecure about something or being around someone or some just whatever it is. Right. Everybody has those moments to a certain degree. And for me now, when I find myself like for I'll give you an example, I'm driving around the city and. I'm wearing the sus bunny glasses. 
they're really my wife's glasses, by the way. She, she, you know what I'm saying? Shout out for the styling she did. But I'm wearing the Sus Bunny glasses, and I'm like, I must look like a douchebag right now. Got the ring hanging from the from the from the uh, the glasses. And in the context of Sus Bunny, that's it doesn't matter. Like he he knows he's a douchebag. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He's Sus Bunny. What the hell? Sus Bunny beats. Um Shout out to Noah James, by the way, the homie Noah James, who came up with that name years and years ago. He used to call uh, one of the homies uh, Issa Sus Bunny. <laughs> and it just it just channeled through me as soon as I started recording a skit. I was like, this dude is sus. Sus Bunny. That's who it is. Uh, but I'm driving around the city and I'm feeling insecure about wearing these glasses. Like, I'm like a total douche. And then I was like, what would Sus Bunny do in this situation? He would probably look at the people who are laughing at him and judge him and say, you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason that you are laughing is because you ain't never seen no drip like this and you couldn't afford it anyways. You cannot afford to laugh at me. There's a fee to laugh at me. And it's not a false sense of uh, confidence. It's more so being able to look at the comedy of the moment. Look at the comedy of what's actually happening, right? It's not that serious. You're part of the sketch itself. If I was watching myself debating on taking these glasses off because somebody is staring at me from the car over, this would be a funny skit. And I'm part of the skit. I think that snapping into my brain that what would Sus Bunny do reminds me that this is a skit. Right. So I uh, that part about it is 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 uh, is super therapeutic and I do greatly enjoy being able to live through these characters, even like a Darnell. Everybody got a Darnell. Everybody got a dark side. Everybody has a side to them that just wants to say it like it is and doesn't want to sugarcoat it. Doesn't care whose feelings it hurts. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's not malicious, but it's just like I. Nigga cap, shut up, shut up. You don't, you don't. Bro, I can literally see the green screen around you. Like everybody has those moments and I get to channel that. And it's funny because I thought Darnell was going to be the least. I thought he's going to be the least liked character, right? He's just the guy that says cap to everything. He has a hoodie on. He's always like mean to Roscoe to taco. People call people boomers and all of that. And that is people's favorite character sometimes. That blows my mind. i tell you what my least favorite one is. You want to know, friend? Vacuum Beats. I can't stand Vacuum Beats. He reminds me of too many people I don't like. <laughs> and, and and yes, so then that's that aspect. So musically, though, let me tell you about this. Shout out to my wife for this brilliant idea. But Curtis King is a business. And I'm going to end on this. Curtis King is a business. No, duh. Curtis King is a business. And I have not been treating it as a business. And what I mean by that is. In the context of Interscope, right? Interscope is a label. It is a business, of course. But Interscope does not put out an Interscope artist. Interscope signs artists, right? They sign the M&Ms. They'll sign even labels that have artists. And so I have been operating my business as if I am an artist that goes by the name of the very label that I signed to. And that makes no sense. Now, it made 
more sense throughout different portions of my career. But at this point now, if I'm not making tutorials, if I'm not, you know, doing the ultra tiny violin inspiration and, and, and it's not coming out in the way that I that I did it before. Well, who is Curtis King? Curtis King is not just the guy who wrote the book. Curtis King is also the entity that houses a author, right? Self-titled Curtis King. But if that's the case, these characters, right? I'm going to keep going on online. I'm sorry. Plugins, Curtis King plugins. That is an extension. That is brand. That is extension of the brand, the company, Curtis King. Right. Slap experts. Is another entity that is directly connected to Curtis King. Uh, the YouTube channel, Curtis King TV, is another entity that is connected to the business that is Curtis King. So as I started to think about these characters and started to make music, I started to realize. Yeah, it's me acting a damn fool under the guise of different names like Roscoe the Taco. But that's also Curtis King, the artist. That's also me when I'm rapping on a decap 10x beat and I'm just just bouncy flow and I'm being ultra ridiculous. That's Roscoe energy. The songs where I'm just being like. Where's your mom's at? Like, you feel me? Like, I have a song called Where's Your Mom's At? And, and, and that energy. That's Darnell. To a certain degree, but it's also another artist that. I can't talk about right now. Low dumb dumb. We'll talk about that. This this coming up Wednesday on Curtis King TV. <laughs> um, Sus Bunny, I got my times where I just want to get like. Flashy rap. I don't even want like and not because I got it like that, not because I'm that guy like that. It's because, you know, you got some time. You just want to like, you know, when folks say it's not that deep. You want to live that it's not that deep energy. And you just want to like just just talk absolute ridiculousness. And not have to explain yourself. You want to be able to talk in cliches and tell people to stand 10 toes down and keep God first. And then that be the answer to everything from music publishing to copywriting to uh, how do I get over a heartbreak? It's the same advice, same cliche advice. <laughs> I want to be able to deliver that, too. You feel me? Like, let me let me have my moments to deliver that, too. Now, something else I wanted to mention, and I think this is going to drive everything home because I got to say for y'all that understand what's going on, for those of you that are, you know, you're not rocking with it, it's not. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I'm having the most fun I've ever had. I am able to show other parts of my personality that I'm not always given the freedom to do. I'm able to not have to always be so damn serious with making music I get to like just have fun and that's not something that you often hear people saying especially rappers in the 16th or 17th year of their career you don't hear them saying I feel re-energized and I'm having more fun I feel more goofy than I ever did but there is one rapper that I did hear I think I watched a documentary on uh, a documentary 
documentary. I can't speak today. A documentary. Um, I can't even say I'm shut up. I saw a movie about a nigga. I'm just playing. <laughs> I said Mac Dre had a YouTube uh, breakdown about someone basically did like a, a story of his life and all the things that he went through uh, over the duration of his life. And so he went to prison at one point. If you didn't know, he is uh, a rapper that was born in Oakland, California. He uh American rapper, hip hop pioneer. He's from the Bay Area based in Vallejo, California. He was an instrumental figure in the emergence of Hyphy, a cultural movement in the Bay Area hip hop scene that emerged in the early 2000s. He is considered one of the movement's key pioneers that fueled its popularity into mainstream, releasing songs with fast paced rhymes, bass lines that inspired a new style of dance. Now, for those who look him up and, and Google him, what you'll find is that it wasn't always like that for him musically, right? Like he wasn't always as colorful as you see when you look on the Google searches and you see like, you know, the thins and, and, and you know, the, like the colorful background. You didn't always see Fizzell Washington in that light, right? You didn't always see uh, 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 the genie of the lamp. Something happened to Mac Dre when he went to prison. He started to. I mean, according to this documentary that he started to view life in a much different way. I guess you can say that he even possibly um, started to see how short life is and how it would not benefit him to take it too seriously. So. It says here on the Wikipedia page, uh, and it kind of backs up this whole thing, is that after his release from Lompoc prison, Hicks wanted to, this is his real name, is uh, uh, Andre Hicks. Mac Dre wanted to begin creating music that was easy to dance to. He and longtime friend and fellow rapper Troy Reddick, a.k.a. The Underdog, decided to try a different approach. And this approach is literally what fueled the movement in the Bay, right? Very important piece to the hyphy movement, if not the most important piece of the hyphy movement. And I feel that energy right now. I can't explain it, but I feel that energy right now in that I'm in a place where I didn't have to go to prison, but I had to get to a place with my business that was like, all right, God. Sometimes we got to go a long way. Sometimes we got to let life kick our ass before we actually humble ourselves and sit down, shut up and stop trying to always drive, drive a boat and sit there and listen, listen, like, yo, God, how, how can I be a vehicle? Right. Doing what I do, knowing my personality, knowing the things that I've been influenced uh, by growing up, knowing the kind of people that I want to help, knowing that they see the same things that I see and they wish somebody would speak up. For. The folks who share these thoughts, what can I do? And every time it kept 
I felt like he kept leading me back to some form of comedy because there's a lot of truth in comedy. There's a lot of authenticity in comedy. There's a lot of discussions that can happen. There's a lot of self-discovery through comedy. I like to educate through comedy. I like to be the ass of the joke so that the person who has been going around being the ass and has no idea can see how many people are laughing at this person and then they can start to change course and maybe very silently without the need of somebody beating them up or, you know, whatever to make them change course. I like to be the example. Roscoe the Taco started off as that for rappers. Now he's that for producers. I feel like rappers always get clowned. They get clowned by everybody, including producers and engineers. And I'm not saying that it's not, you know, I'm not saying that they don't deserve to get clowned for some of the stuff they do, but I do feel like it is one-sided. And I feel like there's a lot of folks that have been able to go under the radar who do just equally weird shit like music producers. And it ain't just industry producers. It's online producers. I meet so many different types and it never it never ceases to amaze me the weirdo shit that I see and, and hear that comes across my live streams, my timelines. And instead of me just being the, the podcast guy that talks about, no, guys, you should not do it like this. If you want them to have a successful career, because yeah, they wasn't listening. Y'all probably was. They wasn't listening. Those are the ones I want to change or not. Or, 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 I shouldn't say I want to change. It's not my place to change nobody. I at least want to. I want them to entertain another way of seeing things so they can stop being fucking annoying to people like me. <laughs> At least just don't approach me like that. That's just all I'm asking. You do what you want with everybody else. Uh, all 8 billion of them. Just don't do that with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, that is, that is the energy that I'm feeling right now is that, I've been taking things so seriously and there has been a ceiling with that seriousness, right? There've been a lot of great conversation, a lot of beautiful relationships that have been a result of it, but also that's not all that I am. That's not all that I am. My wife will tell you there's a part of me that nobody ever sees except for her. And, and there's some of those that need to stay that way. Right. This is, you know, y'all need to be seeing everything. Um, but. My sense of humor is something that you guys see in doses, and I'm not saying it like you're missing out on such an important piece, but I say it to say, like. If you could use that and your if, if your goal, Curtis, is to give value, provide value and help others, and you have this ability, this uncanny ability to help people see things or, or to help educate or bring light or even like make people laugh. And, you know, their life already is so damn serious and so damn ridiculous. And not everybody here wants inspiration. Some people, they just want to laugh. Some people just want to get away. How do I know that? Because that's me sometimes. I love to just get into a movie in somebody else's world when my world starts to get a little bit too crazy and just forget about it for a second. I like going going to sleep when things are heavy on my mind and I'm like, I can't do nothing about it. I just want to go to sleep. I love that. If I can provide that as well, 
that's a well-rounded experience that you have being a subscriber or, you know, a, a follower of one of my social platforms. I just want to use it in a different way now. You guys are the only ones that are going to get this explanation. The podcast audience, y'all are the only ones that are going to get this explanation. Everybody else, they can think I lost my mind, and that's fine. Everybody else, I mean, it's probably going to be even family hit me up. It's like, yo, what, what is going on? And all I'll tell them is that it's all part of the plan. Because it is. I don't always know the plan. I don't always know where it's going, but I do know what has brought me success in this last, I say, three weeks has been following my gut. You hear it all the time. You've been hearing it since you were a kid. Following my gut and trusting my gut and realizing that even if I don't knock it out the park with a skit, I got next week. And it wasn't like the things that were the normal scheduled programming were were already working. It wasn't like it was working the way that I wanted to. So at this point, I just feel like I'm a new YouTube channel. I'm a new podcast. I'm a new artist. Artists, plural. I'm a new producer. I'm a new streamer. I'm doing live streams as these characters and I'm just having a ball. I'm having fun. It makes so many things that I used to hate doing like tutorials so much more interesting. I look forward to it now. It makes things like, you know, the, the, hi guys, I want to tell you about my plugin. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the plugin, not excited about having to talk to you like a fucking robot. That never excited me. Now that I get to sit down here for three minutes and say, <clears throat> I'm a duck. My name's Druck. Did you know that a male duck is called a Drake? It's probably what my dad named me, Druck. <laughs> <laughs> in what world is that possible? In what world is that possible? In the underdog world, where you're able to do things that the big dogs cannot do. Can I line this up for you real quick before we actually bounce up out of here? Can I line this up for you? I made a thread on Twitter. Let's go to the desktop. Being the underdog doesn't mean that you don't have any advantages over the big dogs. Here's a thread. First advantage that you have as an underdog, speed. Your ability to brainstorm, test drive, and launch your ideas many times on your own is a huge advantage because you get results to learn from quicker. Second, size. As an underdog, when you have a smaller staff or you are the primary decision maker, there's no need to wait for approval before making big decisions. Also, I find that there's less complications because of the ease of synergy within your small team. Uh, did I not add the rest of those? <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> uh, Boomer trying to use Twitter. Can't even figure it out, can you, bro? Uh, that's that one. And oh, okay. I don't know why I didn't connect. Um, also, where is the other tweet? Why is it doing this? this? Is weird, bro. Nope, that's not gonna do it. 
All right, I'll just read it from here. Third advantage, authenticity. When you are the big dog, expectations are different for how you deliver your message. When you're the underdog, you have more freedom to speak in a way that they might deem as too risky. Like, I'm a duck. You see these buff-ass arms? You see this do-rag? Waves could never. But you are connected with the people. So take advantage of that. And then the fourth advantage, your radar. When you are the underdog, you can fly under the radar, fail under the radar, and reinvent, rebrand yourself under the radar. When the big dogs fumble a bag, they do it on a bigger stage, and it costs significantly more to repair that image. Point being, don't embrace the I'm slept on culture. Instead, try your best to find the advantages of your current flexibility and do work. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to the Curtis King podcast. It feels good to be back. I just want to say thank you to those that have been listening in on the traditional podcasting platforms and or YouTube. Greatly appreciate you. Thank you. Continue to share these episodes. Leave some commentary. Tell me a little fun, amazing fact about you that I did not know so that we can um, build this for, uh, friendship even further. Also, like I always say, my friends, in this life, you will not be full of life until you decide to live life to its absolute fullest. Once again, it is Curtis King of the Curtis King podcast. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast as well as the new two plugins. Also, we got a B battle going down. You might want to go ahead and pay attention to my Curtis King Instagram to get more information at Curtis King. Have a good one, my friends. Peace out.